The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of UCLA Athletics, UCLA Gymnastics, or the Bruins Gymnastics alumni community. The content of this podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. It was really cool to see, you know, a judge say like, oh, that that looks like perfection. Like mm-hmm. I, I had no deductions and there's always a deduction. In my <laughs> <laughs> I remember a spouse saying, you know, that was your, even just that moment right there was your, your championship moment for you to receive a 10 from a judge and then, and then turn around and, you know, get a national championship with the team. Just amazing. Welcome to the Bruin Gymnastics Edition of the Resilience to Brilliance podcast, where you'll be inspired by riveting behind-the-scenes stories of UCLA gymnastics legends. I'm your host, Kim Hamilton-Anthony. Here we go. Janae Honest was wise beyond her years when she realized that surrounding herself with the right people could actually help her reach her potential. She came to UCLA as a walk-on, and her hard work paid off when she received a scholarship her senior year and became a national champion as well. After graduating, she entered the world of sports broadcasting and earned an Emmy Award with Pac-12 Networks. I enjoyed hearing Janae's resilience story and what it can look like when you decide that you're not going to settle for less. Let's listen. Janae, welcome. Hello. So nice to see you. Ah, you as well. You look like such a dancer. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Janae, you were 12 years old when you decided you wanted to compete on UCLA's gymnastics team. What inspired that dream? Were you watching them on television? What happened? So once I turned 12, that's when I was really tapped into the Olympics. I think that was 2008. And the Olympic dream had already come and gone. Um, But (laughs) I started watching college gymnastics around that time. And so that's when University of Georgia and UCLA were really popping. I feel that they, those two schools really have a legacy, but I just was really intrigued by them and very, it was just something about those two teams competing that really caught my eye compared to the other teams that I was watching. So when I was 12 in that summer, I went to my first UCLA summer gymnastics camp because it's in California. I was born and raised in uh, California. So, you know, we wanted to start with the in-state schools. And when I walked on that campus and had those three, four days there, it really sealed the deal for me. I don't know. I just, I knew, then I knew I wanted to stay, you know, far enough away from home, but close enough where <laughs> not I can, you know, not have to, yeah, book a flight. And the food was amazing. The <laughs> what is it with gymnast and food? It's just, it's just uh, important, right? Something really just feeds my soul figuratively and literally, but um, yeah, I just think in every other college student that I've talked to, whether they're you know, athletes or not, I think UCLA had the best food options as far as dining halls, because we have a lot of dining halls and cafes and just 
so good. So the food and then the coaches and the team culture. And, you know, I loved the gym and, you know, the whole John Wooden thing, you know, pyramid of success, like all of those things were really amazing to see and to learn about at the age of 12. And my dad had me read the book Wooden, I think, after I got back. And so, (laughs) yeah, I just, I tried my best not to have tunnel vision because, you know, I really wanted to keep my options open, but I wanted to become a Bruin after that first camp. I said, this is where I'm going and I'm going to work really hard to (laughs) to hopefully compete as a Bruin. Mm -hmm. What was it about the culture that you saw? How is it different from the culture that you were experiencing in your own gym? Yeah, um, I love the diversity because I come from a very like small towny vibe, you know, farm com- country, um, lots of da- dairies and, and cornfields and stuff like that. And growing up, I went to a private school that um, did lack diversity. I was the only black girl, you know, from first to ninth grade. And when college came into the picture, my parents decided to transfer me to a public school to kind of get, you know, bigger classrooms, you know, bigger population and a little bit more diversity. But that's something that really stuck out to me because, you know, I just, I really wanted to, something in me just really wanted to, you know, experience different, you know, cultures and, you know, every different walks of life and stuff like that. And you saw, you know, everything at UCLA too. So that's what really drove me to there because coming from a small town, you can be very sheltered and very closed in and not really know what's happening in the world. And so that's I don't know. Now that now that I'm saying it out loud, that's <laughs> that's what kind of also drove me to UCLA. And I just love that Miss Val is also a life coach, too, and not just, you know, national championships are very prevalent. And obviously, that's the ultimate goal. But it was very evident that she knew her gymnasts were not going to be gymnasts forever. So, you know, what type of person do you want to be when you get out into the real world. And yes, you're in the real world when you're in college, but <laughs> when you actually... Yeah, but it is a different world. Yeah, it's a different... Oh, it's just... I was not ready. I, I feel I, I feel that I'm, I'm finally finding my footing at, at 27, but, you know, and like, I feel more stable, but it's just crazy, you know, when you're 22 and you think you have it figured out and you think you have a plan, but... It takes time. It does take time. And I do want to get into what you're doing now a little later in our interview. But I I do want to talk about the situation when you went back to your club and you said, hey, I want to compete for UCLA Gymnastics. Yes. How was that received? So it wasn't a reaction I was expecting. So I was very excited, obviously, as a 12-year-old. Yes. You're probably, what, in seventh grade? Yeah, because that's when I would get all my binders. I had UCLA binders, like all of them. <laughs> UCLA binders and notebooks and stuff like that. And I was just so excited. And, you know, the conversation of college had come up finally. And, you know, I was like, okay, no, this is where I want to go. And I couldn't wait to go back and tell my coaches that UCLA is where I wanted to go. And so I ran up to my male coach at the time. And, you know, I remember being on floor and I said, UCLA is my dream school. Like that, that's where I want to go. And he looked at me and said, oh, you'll never be able to compete for UCLA. You know, they, they recruit elites and Olympians. Um, and I looked at him and I just remember being a little taken aback. I just, I wasn't expecting, you know, that reaction. And granted I was 12. I had a lot of growing and a lot of skills to learn, but just to be immediately counted out was 
disheartening, you know? And so hearing that and, you know, that kind of narrative continued for the next six years until I graduated, until I did go to UCLA. So, but I used that as motivation, kind of just like a fire in me to a little, a little bit of me wanted to prove them wrong, but it's just, okay, well, if my coaches don't believe in me, then at least let me believe in myself. While you were wrestling with what you had been told, was there anyone encouraging you during that time? My dream was to go to UCLA and my parents knew that. So I really just had to lean on my parents at the time because my coaches said otherwise. So I um, wish they didn't count me out as early as they did and were more encouraging, you know, like understandably so. Yes, UCLA recruits elites and Olympians, but right. I wanted to surround myself with the best. And so why not say, listen, they they have these girls on this team, so you got to work really, really hard instead mm-hmm. of just telling me, oh, no, like you shouldn't go there because right. they recruit these types of girls, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard situation to be in. And you have to motivate yourself at time. You had your parents there, but your parents weren't necessarily in the gym with you. So what are some things that you would do to help you to hang in there, to to go for your goal? Um, what are some things that you even told yourself? Did you do positive self-talk? How'd you do it? I really just did the extras. You know, I would do like extra rope climbs at, at the end of every practice. I would do three rope climbs, but I really should have focused on, you know, flexibility and technique and form and stuff. But that really wasn't much of a focus until I would say my junior, senior year when a newer coach came in and he got my vaults to, you know, a really good place. And, you know, I, cause I didn't get that technique training when I was younger. Cause I would just throw, throw skills and, <laughs> and you were strong enough to make it happen. Yeah. And it was more like, okay, she's got it. We'll throw it in the routine, but did it look pretty? No. Yeah, <laughs> so, I see. <laughs> yeah. So that focus came in around like junior, senior year, which, you know, by then, you know, at least when I was um, the recruiting time in my era, girls were already, you know, committed and stuff and had been committed for a while. So I was a late bloomer and luckily, you know, um, some things work out for late bloomers and stuff and things open up, but yeah. So I think it was mainly, you know, yeah. Positive self-talk. I would say I, I did the extras in the gym I had a whole high beam that my dad got <laughs> to put in our backyard and with like a four incher and an eight incher. So I would, this beam was my least favorite, but also my, the event that I struggled the most with. So, you know, I would practice extra on that and I would do series on that beam. Yeah, I would do. Like, in your backyard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, um, now, did it have padding or what? What? Was it a real yeah. beam that you... A real beam, like a purchased? real high beam. Yeah, oh a goodness. real high beam with the... Your dad was dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my baby girl needs a beam and I'm going to get her a beam. Yeah, so it was with that, like foreign, like the the standard, like yeah, and then with the eight incher on top. So yeah, we had mats and stuff, so I was safe, but I was a really hard worker and I leaned into that and... Once I got, you know, better coaching when it came to technique and stuff like that, then I started technically getting better. And then, you know, that continued once I graduated from senior year. But yeah, I think just 
Yeah, working out, working to block out the negativity. But now, even as an adult, I'm still working on that or, or working on the negative self-talk that sometimes comes up in myself. So around your high school senior year, mm-hmm. had the encouragement changed? Was there hope? Because that's a long time from 12 to 18. You have a lot of time for improvement. Yeah, not really. Um, I still <laughs> I still went to the summer camps every summer to one let the coaches know that I'm like interested you know and I would I would you know move up a level every year and I'd get better every year kind of thing and I kind of built a rapport (laughs) is that the word I'm looking for um with the coaches and you know they recognized me and you know I would send them updates via email and because I think now they do, they have like whole Instagram like <laughs> pages for recruiting. <laughs> but back in the day, you used to send emails um, of me updates and stuff. But yeah, no, I think when the time came to, you know, start taking unofficial visits and official visits, they were really pushing other schools. And obviously you said it was always at the top and they would push other schools and I would go visit them. But I just didn't see myself going there. I didn't see myself at the campus, but I went to go visit. So it wasn't a case where, you know, they were pushing other schools and I said, no, I don't want to mm-hmm. give it the time of day. I did. You know, we went all up all through California to all the other schools that have gymnastics programs. And we had meetings over dinner at Applebee's and they were, you know, talking about, you know, oh, well, you know, you can be the top athlete, the, the top incoming freshman here. I remember just thinking, well, I don't have any intention of being the top all around athlete. I already don't like beam, so I don't want to compete beam. <laughs> um, but you knew what you wanted. Mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted, but also I knew that going to UCLA, I, I was not that great. I mean, I was good, but I knew I could be a lot better. And I knew that UCLA would make me a better athlete and also a better person just because of the life coaching that Miss Val really leaned on. And yeah, that's why I really wanted to surround myself with the best to be to be my best. Um, I don't want to come in as a freshman knowing that I'm I haven't reached my potential, and it was I, I wanted them to see like, listen, I, I want to reach my potential. Can you help me reach my potential rather than you know having me settle to go to another school that you know you really want me to go to and not really leaning into you know my needs and what I want to do with my life. So. What I love hearing about what you just said is you wanted to surround yourself with greatness, basically. Yes. So that it would motivate you, push you, make you better Mm -hmm. at gymnastics, make you a better person. And I think that is just important, not only in gymnastics, but in life, who you surround yourself with. I mean, those are the key decisions that we need to make. Are we going to settle for less? Are we going to hang with the crowd that is not wanting excellence, not moving in the direction that we want to go? Or are we going to set ourselves up for success? Yeah. And it's, it's a big life lesson to learn. And even I just really walk in that now and I'm really intentional with who I surround myself with and people that elevate me and motivate me and and people that want to be their best selves. And so we keep each other accountable and push ourselves. I think that's really important because looking at life as a journey and not a destination, that's something I really have to remind myself of too, because I think once we get to like our goal, then we're like, okay, 
cool. And, but it's like, no, it's this continuous thing, but also not rushing it either and not getting hard on yourself when something doesn't go your way. And, you know, even if UCLA didn't have a, a spot, you know, at least I did everything in my power to, to, you know, make that happen for myself, you know, but they did have a spot for me. And so I took it kind of thing. And yeah, I think that was something that really shaped me today. But yeah, positive self-talk. I didn't really, I don't think that was much of a, of a, of a focus until I got to UCLA. Cause I think that's when my mental block started because I had been told for many years. And once I was there, which you think it would all get better, but I think that's when the negative self-talk really, really, because I, I started getting a lot of mental blocks in college. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Who was Janae Honest as a gymnast and as a person when she walked through those doors at UCLA as a freshman? Describe her. Ooh, ooh, I was nervous. I was very excited that this was happening, uh, that my dream was finally coming true. I was already a hard worker, so I knew, okay, well, I'm a walk-on, which means, you know, I, I have to work really, really hard to to prove myself. I mean, I'd already proven myself. I'm here. And Miss Val made it very evident that, listen, we're all on an even playing field. You know, people with scholarships don't have a leg up. Like, everybody is on the same level, so that made me feel better. But I just felt that, you know being a walk-on, you know, and holding the walk-on legacy because, you know, there's a long list of walk-on legacies at UCLA and it's really cool to be a part of that, but just, you know, really wanting to make my mark, not just be on the team, but, you know, I wanted to see what I can accomplish and, and how good I can get when it came to my potential. But yeah, so I was, I didn't speak up as much. I wasn't very outspoken. Um, I'm a leader by example, but as a freshman, you know, you're just trying to figure out life, trying to, mm-hmm. parents aren't doing laundry for you anymore. <laughs> you got to wake up by yourself. You got to set your own alarm. So I was really <laughs> just trying to, that already is a huge adjustment as it is. And then, you know, me really figuring out, okay, how now I'm here now, how am I going to compete? Like, you know, I just like kind of saw it as like a stepping stone, you know, but once I got through the doors and was on the team. Now it's like, okay, how am I going to compete? What events do I want to contribute on? Not balance beam. I was really like, we beam don't need- is not it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, my coach at the time, because I think it was Dom, Palangi, and Miss Val, Randy, and Chris. But so Dom was working with me a lot on beam actually freshman year. He pulled up videos. I saw him the other day and he pulled up videos. And I said, wow, like we were really. We were almost there. We just didn't have a dismount, but I did like, (laughs) I just wasn't the greatest at it. But yeah, so once I got there, it was like, okay, so how am I going to contribute? Like, what do I really need to work on? So it was really like a lot of technique, a lot of stretching. Ms. Val bought this ballet foot stretcher specifically for me to use. Tell me about that, because a lot of transformation took place with you over those four years while you were at UCLA. So tell me about the little foot contraption. Yeah, so... Um, you can probably pull up a video. My left foot did not point on my Takachev really ever. Um, (laughs) It was always flex. I don't know why it was like a built-in deduction. Like one of those things that, you know, my club coaches didn't fix because I I would, I could just throw it and we catch Mm -hmm. it. 
who wouldn't? So, um, and it's crazy too. Yeah, my Takacha didn't like it got really consistent when I got to UCLA, which is wild because I remember being in club and we'll, we'll see if we catch it today. But my left foot was always flexed. Like it would have like, you know, when the t- toes are curls. Oh, really? Flexed, that's what it looked like. So, okay. Ms. Val bought this ballet foot stretcher that was very painful and it was very much catered to me because no one else used it. <laughs> like I, I'm definitely one of a special gift. Yeah. I think I saw like one other girl maybe use it one time, but I was very much Janae, you, you need to sit in this specifically for this left foot. So I did, I worked, I used that every day. You know, I would have teammates sit on my knees. Chris would put weights on my knees, you know, with, with my feet on a, on a panel mat, just to get work on my knees because my knees, you know, if I would tighten them, they didn't look as straight because just, I'm strong, you know, I was muscular. So we had to really work on flexibility and, um, you know, different things like my vault, you know, we dropped me down to like the, the vault levels, the vault setting um, at my club. My coach at the time, you know, had us all vault on 135 so he wouldn't have to move it up and down, which, you know, means you're not turning over your round off and stuff like that. So Dropping from 135 to 125 was very scary, but, you know, it just taught me to turn over my round off and got my technique better. And, you know, we're working on my tap on bars and, okay, what dismount can she do because her legs are separated on this? What um, exercises can we do for her, for her full in dismount or half in, half out? Did I do a full in? Half in, half out dismount (laughs) on bars. (laughs) And, you know, um, and Dom, you know, he did cheer as well. So his his tumbling technique is amazing. So he was working with me on plyo and just, it's just all those little things that I didn't get growing up is what we focused on because I had the skills. So how are we going to make them UCLA, like for me to be able to compete for UCLA? So that was really what we focused on, you know, in the summer, like, especially because I started going to Waller's Gym Jam after I graduated. So we'd make that two hour commute, like three days a week okay. <laughs> for me to start training with Chris. But yeah, so that was, that was the mindset. Just, I was excited yet, yet terrified because it's like, Ooh, like we're here and this is like really cool. And I, you know, just, you know, when you're like a nervous freshman, a very nervous freshman who was just kind of quiet. I think our whole class was, none of us spoke up. (laughs) We're really talkative. So yeah, but I was very, I was a hard worker. I was like very determined. Your coaches, just from what you described, it sounds like they spent quite a bit of time with you. You were a walk-on freshman, yet they are spending extra hours. You're going to Chris's gym. Afterwards, you get the stretching machine, you know, all these things that they're working to help you to become the best gymnast that you can be. Mm-hmm. How did that feel to have coaches who believed that you could be better? It was amazing. I think that's why um, me, and my, me and my parents did, made the sacrifice to drive down and make that commute until I was able to go to campus, you know, for um, summer school. And yeah, and they were like that with all the athletes, you know, I felt, you know, they really were intentional and catered to our strengths, but also focused on our weaknesses as well. Tell me about the time when you thought you may have made a mistake when you chose to go to UCLA. Was Mm -hmm. that a season of time? Was it just a moment, a thought? 
It was a it was a specific moment, I think, and it was when I was first buying my books, <laughs> my freshman year. And books are so so very expensive. Like some of them are like one fifty a book. It's insane. They're very mm-hmm. very expensive. And so I remember getting all my books and swiping, you know, my credit card at the time, and I said, "Oh my gosh, you know, like if I would have gone." you know, the, another school or to the school that, you know, my club coaches wanted me to go to or, or like taking a full scholarship elsewhere because I turned down other full scholarship opportunities to be a walk-on. And what if I didn't? What if I, you know, went somewhere else and, you know, I wouldn't have to pay for my books and my parents wouldn't have to help me so much. You know, I could have, I could have given them, you know, a little bit of a breather and, you know, maybe I could have sacrificed my dream in order to just not, not, pay, not, you know, have them help me pay through school. And, you know, yeah, thank God that we didn't have to take out any loans or anything like that. You know, I graduated debt-free, but um, school's expensive. (laughs) Universities are expensive Mm -hmm. and just, you know, I was able to get grants and stuff and different and different things like that. But um, yeah, so it was a specific moment. And, you know, I remember I called my dad, I was crying and I was like, yeah. And I remember telling him, you know, I, I know this is my dream, but I feel so bad because these books are so expensive. Like how much we're paying is so expensive. And if only like we wouldn't be doing this if I had gone to, if I had taken a scholarship elsewhere. And he just told me through the phone, he said, Janae, this is your dream. We already talked about this. You know, me and your, me and your mom have your back and you're going to live out your dream and you don't need to worry about, you know, what you're worrying about right now. So stop crying. Like you're okay. You're where you're supposed to be and really sit in that. So it was just a moment, but I just remember calling my dad being really upset because, you know, like you just, you, you, when you think like that these could be free, (laughs) like if I, if I would have just made a different decision, but I know every time if I, if I didn't go to UCLA, I would be in a completely different place in my life. I wouldn't have the people I have in my life right now. I, I just, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I do right now. I just, I would be in a completely different place. Something that one of our weight coach, coaches told us um, it was in our senior year, like we had just finished nationals and it was like a parting thing. And he said, just know that whatever decisions you make are the decisions you're meant to make because that's leading you on the life that you're meant to lead. And so that's something that I always need to remind myself of because sometimes you want to question your decisions or, you know, I work really hard not to have regrets because you pull, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge from every bad experience, even as bad as they can be, but you learn from them. And so I always like to remind myself of that quote too. You mentioned having no regrets. I look back at your situation. Had you chosen to go to another school and get that full scholarship? You would have always wondered for the rest of your life, could I have been a UCLA gymnast? Could I have competed for that gymnastics team? Oh my goodness. You know, like that's something that I've never thought of, but that's so true. Like that would have crossed my mind and my dad, always again, my dad, but like, you know, Oh, they have the, like UCLA has like the best doctors. Like if the president, something happens to the president, they're flying him to Ronald Reagan center, you know? And so even just with the surgeries that I've had to get, you know, I've had, I had three surgeries, sorry, two surgeries when I was at UCLA. So just imagining, you know, the knee condition that I have, um, how that would have played out if I went to a different school or, you know, if, 
you know, it's just, I just think about those different things and yeah, no, I would have always wondered and I'm glad I tried. And, and I'm really glad you tried it. too. <laughs> I'm so glad you tried. And not only did you try, but you succeeded. You ended your career at UCLA scoring a perfect 10 on your final uneven bars routine. That is incredible. And as a result, you helped UCLA to win their seventh national championship title. Not many athletes can end their career that way. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. When I was talking about my form and my technique issues and all the things and receiving a 10 from a judge, I don't think you would have ever got me to believe that because I, I will always be grateful for, you know, a 9875 and <laughs> 9-9. Was that foot still doing its little thing? No, or had you pointed. fixed that? It was pointed in this routine. Okay. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, but no, yeah, it was just, it was really cool to see, you know, a judge say like, oh, that, that looks like perfection. Like mm -hmm. I, I had no deductions and there's always a deduction. In my <laughs> oh. um, yeah. And just, I remember a spouse saying, you know, that was your, even just that moment right there was your, your championship moment for you to, you know, receive a 10 from a judge and then, and then turn around and, you know, get a national championship with the team. Just amazing. Yeah. Another thing. It doesn't that I, happen I, too often. <laughs> so I hope you celebrate it like nobody's business and that you continue to enjoy the fact that you were able to, to accomplish that. So I want you to take me back, if you don't mind, take me back to that moment right before your final bar routine. Uh -huh. I want to know what you were thinking. Yeah. Were you ready? Were you pumped up? So this is the only event I'm competing and I knew if I told myself, okay, this has to be perfect. This is your last routine ever. You need to get a 10. You need to be perfect. You cannot make a mistake. If I was telling myself that narrative, I knew it was going to put too much pressure on myself and I would have inevitably messed up. Um, so I just remember telling myself, just do what you normally do. Like, this is just another meet. You don't have to, because we're at nationals, it doesn't, because it's, we're at nationals and because it's your last routine ever. And because you're going to hang up your grips after this, you don't have to do anything different. Like just do what you normally do. You've worked really hard. You have, you know, focus on the technique, you know, you've, you've done all the, all the work. So like, let the work do its thing and you don't have to do anything extra. And so I was really honing in on that. And so I remember saluting and I always would take a deep breath um, and put my hand over my diaphragm and, and say, you know, like faith or just to have faith in myself, you know, and everything will be okay. And yeah, I just like took it skill by skill. I was like, okay, hit the handstand. Great. Throw, catch the bar. Great. Okay. Handstand. You know, I was just, you know, really staying in the moment. Knees, you know, I was just really focusing on everything. And by the time I got and you know, you always know that last handstand before your dismount, you really want to hit it. And so I was like, get your shoulders over, hit. Okay, great. Now don't just do your normal because sometimes you can get too amped up on your dismount. I was like, just tap normal, tap it up. And I, I stuck it. It was, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, it's kind of like I went on autopilot a little bit, but I wanted to also just stay present in each skill, like not, not like go black, like blackout or anything, but um, yeah. And I just remember looking at Chris, gave him the biggest hug, ran down and I was like, okay, that was, that was my job. I did my job. <laughs> I just wanted to be able to do my job. Yes. And that ended up being the best 
and I mean this, like the best bar rotation we've ever hit in this year, like in a competition or in an inner squad or in practice. Like we've never all hit, like our bar lineup has never hit like we did at nationals before. And it was amazing. Like we got our highest score we've ever gotten on that event. And then that carried over into beam too. Same thing. We did have a fall on beam, but the rest of those five girls hit insanely well and Pang got a 10 and I didn't know the math, but the coaches did. And so again, by the time we got to beam, we were like, okay, let's, let's fight for third. Cause we were chilling in a cute fifth or sixth place. When we got, to <laughs> so we were like, let's fight for third. And so when Pang got the 10 and I, Chris yelled, we won. And then I saw our like UCLA move up to the top. And I just, I had no idea. The trophy was already over on, on, uh, Oklahoma's end too. So to see them like walk it back was really oh, funny. Oh my goodness. So they just knew Oklahoma had won and it yeah, was you know, ne- nearly impossible for you to win unless there was a 10. Unless there was a 10. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> On beam. Of all events. And same thing with Pang too. I mean, she had the, before her, before her routine, she literally said, okay, well, we're not going to win. So I might as well do the best routine of my life. And so, and, uh, yeah. and, and look, and she did, and we ended up winning. Now, looking at the fact that you scored a 10 on bars in your last meet and went on to win the national championship as, as a team, did you feel vindicated in any way? I had already proved them wrong when I first competed for UCLA. And that was my freshman year, you know, the very first meet when I competed on ball. So I'd already done that. I think for me, it was it was me over like overcoming myself, if this makes sense, because I had already proved them wrong. But did I feel like I belong there? No, that that's what took time for me to feel that I that I meant to be there. And that's not to say, oh, I didn't feel welcome or, you know, there was this drama like there was none of that. It was really me stepping into my power and stepping into my potential when um, especially being told that like, Oh, you can't, but also, you know, being um, trying to be guided to not, you know, step into my potential. And so when that moment did happen, which boggles my mind, I have to say, Janae, what coach does not want their athlete to fulfill their potential Mm -hmm. to reach, to be, the best they can possibly be. Right. It just, I'm sorry. I, I just don't understand that. And I'm yeah. really sorry that you had to go through that. But I'm also happy that you chose to be resilient. You chose to follow your dream. You chose to do the extra work and you didn't give up. And there's so many people out there who are told things like that. I was told by one of my coaches um, something very similar and and I was discouraged and told what I would not become and what I could never do. Yeah. So there's more of us out there. Yeah. Speak to the person who's going through that right now, whether it's gymnastics, whether it's work related, whatever it is, someone is out there listening who's going through something similar they're discouraged, they're being discouraged by someone else. What do you say to them? If you know in your heart, 
like you've you've already made the decision. Listen, this is what's best for me. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to go for. It, it's your life and, and it's something that you need to take control over, whether you realize it or not. Because I was young, you know, when you're 16, 17, you're very young. But if it's it's something that you want and you, and you have naysayers, then one, lean on your support system. Mine was my parents. And just go for it, you know, because if, if you don't, then you'll never know. If I didn't, then I would be asking myself, you know, oh, what if, what if I did this? What if? And I feel that, oh, well, is better than what if? Oh, well, in the sense of, listen, I went for it, I tried and it didn't work out. Like then, then that's just a redirection, but it's better to have that than to say, what if I just went for it? Um, and I need to walk in that more, even, even as an adult, you know, but I, I would say that to that person because it's, it's hard, especially, and granted, communication goes a long way. And maybe if I had like a deep, if, if I knew the things I knew now back when I was, you know, <laughs> 12 to 18, like, listen, like, I mean, I don't just want to go to UCLA because I want to win a national championship. Like there, I mean, and I'm sure I explained those reasons and I'm sure they had their reasons of tr- pushing other schools on me so hard. And maybe they just really wanted me to just get a scholarship and not have to walk on somewhere. And I get that. But if me and my parents had a conversation when we're all good with me being a walk on, then you should accept that and, and support me, you know, support my decision and, and, have my back, you know, but that's what I would say to that person. If you know, in your heart, that's what you want to do and you want to go for it, go for it. it Cause it's, it's better to, to work really hard and do everything you can in your power to set yourself up for greatness. And if it happens, amazing. But if it doesn't, then, then, you know, like that redirection means you have like something greater is, is there, is going to be around the corner. It's good advice. And Janae, to go back to what you said, even if something doesn't work out and you're trying it, you're learning in the process. Mm -hmm. There's always opportunity to learn and grow from every experience. So I asked you earlier who you were when you walked through the doors as a freshman. Yeah. (laughs) So now I want you to tell me who were you when you walked out of those doors at UCLA as a senior? I was a stronger leader. I had a voice. I was confident in myself. I felt like I belonged because I questioned that when I walked in. So walking out and just, and I felt really proud of myself, proud of the team. And it went by so fast. I think I was really just thinking, wow, I should have embraced every day and really just like lived in the moment more rather than trying to survive the day. And so, and sometimes, you know, life, you know, being a student athlete, it's a full-time job in addition to being in school. So, but yeah, I think just really sitting there and thinking, wow, like my four years is already up and now I'm ready for the next step. But I felt, yeah, just very, very like, this is, this is why I came here because I, I'm a better person and I know I'm going to learn more. And I, man, did I learn more like in the past five years since 2018, but I felt really like I had grown in, in the ways that I was hoping to grow in the four years at UCLA. 
thinking about everything you just said, all that you learned in that four-year process, if you were now coaching a 12-year-old who was at the same skill level that you were at that age, what would you have told her if she came to you and said, hey, I want to be an athlete, a gymnast at UCLA? So one, I'd be very excited and happy that she told me her dream, right? And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to get you to where you need to be to compete there. Um, If that is your dream, then it is my job to get you to where you need to be to be recruited by them. But we're going to look at all of the things, you know, like skill level, but also school, you know, what, what, what. What is UCLA known for, you know, when it comes to like they have business and law and like do we want to be a doctor? Like we're going to look at all these things and I would say, okay, they recruit elites and Olympians. So we're going to work really, really hard. We're going to work really, really hard to get you to that level so you can so you can be on an even playing field. You're throwing your brilliance all over the place. (laughs) That's true. <laughs> you are. You, yeah, you, you really are. Tell me what you're doing these days. I know some of it, but I want to hear it from you. I have a full-time job. I work in a law firm in HR. Um, LA is very expensive, so we need something to pay the rent and the bill. Um, <laughs> consistent, but I also, consistent yes, pay, right? Yes, yes, yes. I wanted to stay in LA because I dance and I wanted to get into broadcasting, sports broadcasting in LA felt like the hub for that. And also in the dance community as well. I feel for dance, it's either here or New York. So I also do sports broadcasting for Pac-12 Networks. So that is, so I I broadcast as an analyst and sideline reporter seasonally um, during the gymnastics season, which is, you know, that's January to April. And then during the spring, summer, and fall months, and now looks like it's going to carry into the winter, I do choreography, whether it be for beam or floor routines, um, but I also do other choreography as well. I choreographed my first um, fashion show for the first time, um, dance routine, so and all, any and all choreography I do. Um, I also am in the choreographer for Beam Queen Boot Camp, which is Samantha Peshik's company, her Claire Traveling Clinic. So we travel all around the country and I teach them like an actual dance. I think that's what I'm very passionate about. Um, if you look at gymnastics at any level, especially at the elite level, it's very, it can be very static and very posy. And I kind of want to blend that, you know, the dance realm into, you know, gymnastics, obviously it's artistic gymnastics. So we need to have that artistry in there and you know, teaching girls to really be confident in themselves and movement and even just introducing them to movement that they've never even done before, whether it be hip hop or, or dance hall or anything like that. So that's really cool to see. And then I dance as well. So I'm in a mentorship. It's <laughs> yes. um, a lot of work. We're intense, tough training, whether it be two to four hours of training, um, two to three times a week, Cameron Lee's dance mentorship. So, And that's a big deal that you got into that. Yeah. So it was a, um, yeah, it was an admissions process. So I was accepted into it. And what was the process? Basically what you do is you, um, you submit videos and then you submit a write-up as to why you want to be in the mentorship. And I'd been in a music video before 
and commercials and stuff like that. I did stunting for a hot second. I'm not anymore, which is why I didn't add that in there. But, you know, I feel every gymnast at some point has like stepped to the stunting realm. But I love dance one because it's still hard on the body, but easier than stunting. But I've always enjoyed it. Um, I did dance and gymnastics at the same time. I was on the dance team in high school. That was the one, one, it got me out of PE and two, I was able to really lean into the performance quality that I loved about it. You know, I did the rallies and the dance shows and just, I love the whole process of, you know, learning a piece and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. And then, you know, putting it on a stage and performing it in front of people. I've always loved that. So after retiring from gymnastics, because, you know, I just, I think I took maybe two dance classes in the four years that I was competing. So I decided to step back into the dance realm. Um, and just because I love it, I'll always take classes, but I felt very static just taking classes. I got into heels, which is my jam. I love heels. Um, that is my favorite <laughs> style. But yeah, I wanted to be versatile and and take different styles and kind of similar mindset of, you know, the reason why I went to UCLA, because I want to reach my potential. I want to reach my potential as a dancer, you know? Um, and so whether that leads to a tour or more music videos and stuff, regardless, as long as I'm getting better as a performer, because I think inevitably it's helping me as a choreographer mm-hmm. when it comes to teaching these young, young gymnasts movement and choreography in general. And, you know, and if, I would love to be a part of um, the um, uh, dance company. Cameron Lee also has a dance company as well. And so I will be auditioning for that. And yeah, I just, I just love performing. It's like my safe space. There's a dance studio in my complex and I go in there when I just need a space to breathe and to move my body and, you know, whatever I'm feeling, I allow my emotions to flow through um, my movement and it's just, it's, I love it. So regardless, I just, the reason why I'm in it is just because I love dance and I just, I want to get better. I don't just want to take class just to take, I want to elevate. It's like a journey, yes. right? I just, that's so that theme, that's a theme throughout yeah. your life. You want to <laughs> elevate, you want to surround yourself with high quality people with excellence. Yes, yes, yes. It's so, wonderful. Now tell me how to reach you. Say I want you to choreograph my floor routine. Do you have a website, social media? Yeah, so um, all of my social media is at Janae Honest, um, no underscore or anything like that. It's just my name. And then you can email me through there or my email also is just Honest at Gmail. And yeah, so that's just how you can reach me. Final question. Mm-hmm. What does living in brilliance mode look like for you? The way that I am giving back to the gymnastics community, whether it be through dance and choreography or when I cover gymnastics and broadcasting, just really, I'm in a place in my life where I can really tell that I'm walking in my purpose, you know, I'm, I'm living a life bigger than I ever dreamed of. Um, and so really leaning into what fills my soul, which is dance and Sharing that with the next generation has been amazing and being able to still be connected with the gymnastics community through broadcasting has been phenomenal. It sounds like you're just living in brilliance mode, period, because what you (laughs) described is exactly what you're doing. 
Oh, perfect. Okay. You're living in brilliance mode, sis. <laughs> it's easy to compare yourself to others, you know, being in the social media realm and stuff, but knowing that everyone's on their own individual journey and understanding that I'm in my own individual journey and it's not going to look like anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself of that. And that's how I stay in my brilliance mode because I'm doing great. I like that. Janae, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here. You have a lot going on. You could be anywhere right now. Throwing brilliance, <laughs> right? But you're here yes, with me yes. and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And I'm grateful for you. And I just absolutely love you. Honestly, you were my you were one of my first interviews as sidelines. So I'll always remember that. And I love just getting to connect with you and speak with you and talk about life because it's important and it's amazing. And you're, you are amazing. So thank you for having me. I was truly moved by the fact that early on, Janae knew that she wanted to surround herself with people who would make her better a better gymnast, a better person. And I commend her for taking that mindset into her current pursuits. Sometimes we're tempted to go for that opportunity that makes us the big fish in the small pond. Or we're tempted to surround ourselves with people who make us feel good about ourselves. And I'm not talking about those people who provide encouragement and inspiration, but I'm talking about those people who, perhaps because of what they lack, somehow make us look better. That is a true setup for mediocrity. The next time you find yourself being complacent or taking the easy way out, I hope you think of Janae's story. Think about what she would have missed if she did settle for less. Now, think about what you stand to miss if you don't take a risk and follow your own dream. Maybe you'll reach your goal like Janae did. But even if you don't, if you try and it doesn't work out, you won't have to spend the rest of your life wondering what if. Who are you surrounding yourself with? How are you challenging yourself to be better? I encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Take a risk. You'll never know your full potential until you stop settling for less. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about Janae Honest, check out our show notes on inbrilliancemode.com slash podcast. And to connect with the Bruin Gymnastics alumni on Instagram, follow us at UCLA Gym Alumni. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Brilliance Mode is prohibited.